Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show my friend Edward Giordano. Hello, Ed. Hey, Rachel. I'm so excited to be here. It's it's an honor and a privilege, and I oh, just thank you for inviting me for episode 200, like such a big milestone. We are celebrating episode 200 together, which feels really right because you are my assistant and also you were my friend first and now you're my assistant and um, I am calling this the episode. This is episode 200. <laughs> episode 200, that is so, so fun. Episode, I- yes. Let me give you a little bi- uh, bio for those of you who haven't heard me wax repsodic about you. Uh, Edward Giordano is a science fiction and fantasy author author, podcaster, curler. Dude, I didn't know you curled. I love curling. Um, Off-key singer, pop music lover, and avid Big Brother fan. The aim of his fiction is inclusiveness and exploring ideas that have remained unchallenged. Ed lives in Oakland with his boyfriend and their cat, Ripley. When he isn't watching curling Bonspiels, is that how you say it? Yes, Von Spiels, yeah. Von Spiels on YouTube or obsessively listening to podcasts. He is desperately trying to scavenge words together for his next fiction project. I know that all of that is true. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, well, I mean, it's my bio. So it's very, it's very Ed, that bio. It's very Ed, but I didn't know about the curling. I've only been once a couple of years ago and it was the gosh darn most fun. Did you play or did you watch? Played. You played, nice. Played, yeah. So it, it was a Christmas holiday party for Lala's work. Oh, that's so and awesome. We played in Oakland at the rink. And oh, it was... that, that's where I used to play. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. It, okay. I love curling. Curling is in like two sentences. Yes. People are like, people like hate, hate on curling because like, oh, it looks boring. Okay, things that are it good about so curling. Fun. It's like chess on ice. That's number one. <laughs> and number two, unlike football and basketball and baseball, we're where innings last variable amounts of time and you have no idea how long anything's going to last, the 10 ends of curling last the exact same amount of time, whether they're the first end or the 10th end. And I, you know what? I, I like really like that reliability. <laughs> like, I love that. I hadn't actually thought about that. That's so true. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's up and coming. Uh, also yeah. you get to wear a sweater. Like I am the biggest knitter, you know, Probably. And like, I don't get to wear my sweaters in California, but if you curl, let's go curling sometime. Can we do that? Oh, I would love to go curling. The, okay. oh, the uh, Bay Area Curling Club is currently building a dedicated curling rink. <gasps> I was, I heard that. So oh my goodness. Gonna, so it's going to be super exciting. So I can't, the, I can't wait. The writers listening are like, what? But I will tell everybody listening, this is Ed. Ed Ed, this is said with all the love in my heart, and as a person who sees you and appreciates you, you are the biggest weirdo in the <laughs> best, most flagrantly intelligent, may I say, genius ways. Like you get obsessed with strange things and then bring them to life in a particular way. Have you been told that your whole life? Um, I have been told I'm a bit odd, certainly. Uh, I I think I think it it stems from like I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I just believe in oh, pleasures. I love that. So it, it, it that's where that's where it all begins from. And yeah, I I just I love what I love, and I'm unashamed about it. Period. <laughs> and you know your stuff. You know, and and you have that mind like a steel trap. With mine is a sieve. Like once you hear something, you seem to retain it. I try to both retain it 
and apply it to my life. Oh, that's so amazing. I try. There's there's an emph- there's emphasis on the word try. I don't always succeed, but it's an attempt. Okay, so listeners, I want to take you back in my friendship with Ed. Um, I think we first met at City, Heart- City Arts and Lectures, and it was one of those amazing moments when somebody comes up to you as a writer and say, are you Rachel Heron? You know, I was like, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> and you had been listening to my podcast, and then we went out to breakfast with another friend of ours named Rachel, who's a friend of yours. and um, And we formed this friendship. And every time we would go out, you would say to me, 15 genius things I should be doing with my business. And I would say 15 times, oh my gosh, I wish I could do that. I wish I had the time to do that. I wish I knew how to do that. And because you you have one of the widest knowledge bases I know of the publishing industry, especially indie publishing, you just get it. You listen to everything. You know everything. And so there was a time, is it about a year? No, six months ago that you lost Uh, your job? I was, it was October of last year. Oh my God. So almost a year. Almost a year. Yes. So um, again, in me being an asshole, like we were out at breakfast and he said, you know, I'm, I just lost my job yesterday. And I said, I think I managed to say, I'm so sorry. Will you work for me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rachel, I just have to, I have to be so honest. Like you, like the day before I lost my job in a swirl of circumstances that, uh, still sort of haunt my nightmares, but, but beyond that, um, the fact that the next day we had this lunch planned or this brunch planned and you offered me a job to be your assistant. It like, it like made everything feel right. Oh. And, and like that, I, I can't overstate that enough. Like that it I'm was, so, glad. so, so I, 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 I love, I love working for you and I hope I've been, I hope, I hope I provide you more data than you've ever dreamed of having. <laughs> I have so much data about my sales and about the ads that you get me. You are the book bub whisperer. I have had, is it eight now? Is this my seven? Seven, eight, seven, seven. Seven book bubs since you started working for me. Like you just, I don't know what. I'm pretty tenacious. <laughs> like pretty, I'm pretty damn tenacious. And I feel like I have a hidden dialogue with the book bub people. I I'm like, I do too. I'm like, I know what you want. I could tell. And you're going to give it to me. You caress their brows as they're falling asleep. <laughs> and they say, okay, Ed. Um, but the one thing, and, 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 and folks, right now, Ed has enough roster. He has enough clientele. So unless you want to woo him away from me, which you can try. Um, I'm not trying to pimp him out right now. But I will say that, like, as this is a mutual admiration society right now, like, you help me sleep better at night. Because you have helped me do the things that I always wanted to do. And what you have done is what we talk about in the indie world as everybody wants to do, which is making more products out of the products that you have. Like you, you nag me until I get you what you want. And it usually takes a lot longer than you want it to. <laughs> but like, for example, right now, so for a fast draft memoir, um, you are getting ready to produce a workbook for me. All I have to do is come up with questions and I haven't even done that yet. But after that, you handle the rest of it. You, there, and, and this is why I didn't have an assistant for so long. I tried several times. I tried people that I liked, you know, hiring virtually. And I never felt that level of trust where I would just like give them the keys to all of the kingdoms. Like you could move to Baja right now on, you know, selling things, getting, as you probably have the passwords to my bank account, you have the passwords to everything. You upload my books, you change everything. Um, and I trust you completely. 
And I appreciate that so much. You help me so much. You really, really do because I'm not good at this kind of thing. So the fact that you help me is amazing. Plus I want some help with Facebook ads soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, I, I, I hope, yeah, I, what I, what I tried to do in my head is like clear off your plate. Cause it seems like there's like all this silly busy work that actually don't mind because I, because that's like my podcast music listening time. <laughs> oh, really? So I don't, that's I actually don't that's mind awesome. this busy work. Cause it's like, it's like, it's like enter. Yeah. It's clicking and moving and dragging and updating and uploading and waiting and praying and all, all the sort of things. And you, uh, yeah. So it's, I actually don't mind it. I, I find that I, I'm not, I can't be on 16 hours a day mentally. I like no, I actually, yeah. I actually very much require like, I call it cultural absorption time. Oh, it's, I love that. Which is like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a bad, or it's like a, it's like a rebranding of binging. <laughs> or just like, just like, oh, I'm not, I'm not listening to this album or watching an entire season of TV this weekend. I'm culturally absorbing right now. Which is so important to us as as writers and artists. Like, no lie, it is one of those things. I think I I think I told you that you know I have this guilty. I know it's not a guilty pleasure because there are no guilty pleasures, but I will watch a Real Housewife. I really will. And Lala was reading the next book, Hush Little Baby, and it's set in L.A. And I like Beverly Hills Real Housewives. And she said to me, "I can see them in there." And I'm like, "I know. I have been telling you. It's research." <laughs> That's awesome. But you just have such a, you have a beautiful way of living life and you have a beautiful, you're just, you're just a beautiful person. And I'm really, really, I'm really, really as are you, you're, you're a beautiful you're person. Oh, and we have worked so well together. Like I don't, I can't even imagine us having an argument. And besides, yet. you're not always yet. right. You are always uh, right. I'm not always right. I'm not always right. Sometimes, yeah, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm wrong, but I'm going to say that it's, I'm, I might be wrong for what you want to do with yourself, with you your, are, you're with an your idea, career. You're an idea generation machine and you do, you, you're like one of those tennis ball machines. You're just like, what, 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 what? And I go, that's a good one. Not for me, not for me, not for me. Yes. I can't believe I never thought of that, you know? Um, so that's amazing. So, but let's talk about you and your writing, your writing. That is what is important to us. And your first book came out this year. Congratulations. Um, we're going to deviate from the normal questions because it's just you and me here. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? What was it like having your first book out with that incredible cover? Um, well, let me look, everybody. I, I, I have one in case. Good. It's so gorgeous. Ghostly so, Chords. Ghostly Chords, covered by the amazing Tom, Tommy Arnold, who was on your podcast. That was a great I, episode. Yeah, I was like, I, ins- I insisted that he had to come on. It's like, like his podcast, like, what you, what you realize in that episode, what people yeah. do with painting and with drawing is what writers do with writing. And All I just, same. and I just wanted to bring that to light. Um, what was that like? Well, it was, first off, it was super amazing. I know so many people want to write a book yep. and yep. don't actually put one out. So, so I'm glad I was able to do it. Um, and something that didn't quite, I guess in my head, I was like, Oh, I have this super stupendous cover. People say that the book is good, which is which is, is great. Good. It's lovely. 
but it but uh novellas are damn hard to sell yeah how many words is it was it 30 25,000 it's 23 okay 23,000 yeah. and I, and i don't and i don't begrudge m- me with that length because i find okay Funny story. I, w- I tried to write two short stories, real, uh, this year, and they both ended up being one a novelette and one a novella. I'm like, like the novella length is like such a perfect television episode length of story, oh, yeah. and I've in- and I feel like all my years of television viewing has inter- internalized that like Absolutely. that like length of thing manuscripts, and I just I just need to start accepting that I need to be a bit. Like releasing a novella at two ninety nine, yes, the big publishers are doing it. I'm looking at Tor. I'm looking at Daw. Like, yeah, the big publishers can pull that off, and they could sometimes work. But even they run into the situation where they have to start bundling novellas together mm. to make it work. So it's 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 like a beautiful length, and one of the most successful novellas of all time is um, uh, a Christmas uh, the. The the, the the one where Scrooge is uh, introduced oh, to all the ghosts. A Christmas okay. story. A Christmas, a Christmas story. I can't write. It was like it's a Christmas Carol or a Christmas story. Christmas that, Carol. Christmas, Christmas Carol. Car- yeah. A Christmas Carol. That's like the most famous novella in the world. Yeah. And the most successful. And no one talks about that book. Like, oh, it's a novella. I wish it was longer. People just yeah. buy it and they read it over and over again. They get the yeah. audiobook. They listen to it every Christmas. That sort of thing. Like, like nothing's wrong with a novella format, except the audience isn't ready to accept it foolhardily, which yeah. is like, and then the, and then the, the thing I was missing was the people that are really doing successful novellas are people that have novellas that are tie-ins to series. Which is what and, you keep trying to talk me into doing. Which I keep trying to talk Rachel into doing. Or <laughs> they they have a big marketing push from a big label, or they're releasing three to four novellas every three months. Right. Like, Right. So it's so just a standalone novella. I don't begrudge the decision, but it was not the wisest marketing decision. That being said, I you have to get your feet wet and you gotta and I still think there's a lot of potential with it. I'm actually working on a um prequel short story and then uh postquel short story <laughs> and I'm going to bundle that yes. into a re-release of Ghost Accords so that it's a it's technically a short story novella short story but it's it's uh but it, it'll look like a novel i could sell it as a novel it'll have the page length and you can call it a collection which people like you know it's like kind of like a box set so i think that's a great idea i think that's fabulous so yeah yeah but yeah i learned so much and i feel like and you're a published author now like I'm that a published author Woo-hoo! yes and then there's like so much you um so much you don't know until you do it once so and and I feel like I learned so much more about my writing style. Like something that I thought I was, I thought I was like, oh, I'm an outline writer. Like that's my that's my strength. But then what I discovered in this most recent version, and of course this is probably bound to change, but in my current version, I find my setup is uh, you. I I I start with I just like write my idea out and like try to sketch out some major plot points and some characters that I'm interested in. And then I try to as quickly as possible to find the theme of the story. Mm, a lot of writers don't do that until revision. And it's yeah, and so then, helpful if you do it ahead of time. Yeah. Yes. And then I, and then I have, and I, and by the time I'm done with my brainstorming, I have the beginning and I have the end of the story and I know the theme. And then I let 
everything that entered that story, make sure it's a spoke on the wheel of that theme connecting back to the center. And the people who have read the two stories where I, where I kept, where I was like, I knew the theme before I even started writing or basically like barely after a page. Then I was like, oh, then people have been saying like, oh, like nothing, nothing feels like out of left field because it's still dealing with the, the core message of the story. I kind of think of, and not to trivialize it, but I kind of think of theme as like the Instagram filter of our books. Like it, it is, it is the way, it's the view, it's the lens with which we view everything that happens inside the book. And can you tell us what a a theme of yours is? Um, Well, I've discovered that for the Ghostly Chords series, it's it's all about, it's all about the sister-sister relationship. It's all about Darren and Glenn and how that evolves. And in my new story, it's um, all about, uh, it's all about like nostalgia and wanting to bring it back, but not bring it back in the same way, but bring it back in a better way. Like mm. that's like that's the so I wanted to give you the premise of my um I'm hoping to release this novella this year. That's yes, I do really hope to play release it this year and I want to tell you a little about it. Um it's it, it all came from uh so I do I think I've told this a little bit to you, but I'll for the audience's benefit. Uh I don't know if you know about the gross McHell banana. No, but I love this story. Please tell it. Okay, so I, the gross I Mc- love it. The Gross McHale banana is a is a variety of banana that kind of tastes like banana Laffy Taffy. Which is like one of my favorite flavors ever. And it went almost extinct. You could actually still buy, you could still buy five bananas for $60 from this I, farmer in Florida. Oh my God, <laughs> I thought it was extinct. It was, it's almost, it's, it's almost, it's very endangered. So that was, banana flavor that we enjoyed as children, that was the flavor of that banana. Yeah, that variety of banana. And then I, there was a musical song was, that was like, that, some, that went something to the tune of uh, There Was No Bananas at the uh, Food Stand. Something, something we have that no bananas like, today. Yeah, we have no bananas. Yeah. At the, and then that's, that's in reference to the Gross ben- McHale sweet and like, Sweet and uh, meaty, maybe meaty, meaty is the right word. Sweet and meaty banana that's gone extinct or almost ex- yeah. virtually extinct. Yeah. So, so then I was like, okay, how do I use this as a? And this is something that Tommy Arnold talks about on his podcast, Black, White, Gray, is using um, real life scenarios and a. And what he actually means by taking it, he means taking a photo and using that to figure out how light works. But I took mm. that to mean like, oh, you use real life scenarios and how would that apply to a different scenario? Mm-hmm. So so there was there was the musical about the bananas. In my story, the plums have gone extinct due to uh, an event. And there's, I have like documentaries about the missing plums, like like real crime documentaries about plums dying. And it's all it all hinges around the main character tried to bring plums back and the memory, the memory that her grandmother told her of the, of what plums tasted like. And then she finally gets a hold of a plum and is disappointed. And she's like, I could recreate this exactly as is, but I should recreate it as the memory I felt when I was told about it would be like. So then, yeah, that's, so it's, 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 it's a, it's super fun. It's a globe trotting story and takes place in like, one, two, three, four, four or five countries. I was like, okay, it was my, it was my uh, way of traveling in COVID nineteen. Uh, and it's a story, not a novel. Like I, this feels it's a like novel. It lends it's a, it's a, itself to 
longer. Oh, it could. Yeah, it could be longer, but it's it's a it's a novella, and I think it packs a punch when it, when I well when it's all done yeah. and edited. I think it'll pack a punch. Have you ever had one of those bananas from Florida? No, I've not. We the closest I've had the the closest I I was tempted. I was tempted by the. <laughs> I was, tempted, I was like sixty dollars for five bananas. Twelve dollars a banana. Twelve dollars <laughs> a banana. That's okay. I mean, they are <laughs> endangered. <laughs> okay, so now, what is your process when it comes to writing? When do you get your writing done? Because I know you have more clients than just me now. So, like, how difficult is it to get that work done? This is this is the the weak part in my story. Um, I tend to write on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is <laughs> not great. So I write with my other friend Rachel on Tuesday nights, and I write with you on Thursdays. Yeah. And for some reason, I did write more pre-COVID, but since the pandemic, I've been just like, eh, I don't know. I just don't want to do it. Like, it's I, hard. I, I always find a reason not to. I'm like, oh, this is happening, or that's happening, or I... I didn't drink enough water today. You know, I didn't exercise today. <laughs> Not that that's different than most other days during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, what, what, where do I want to go with my normal questions? What is your favorite part of writing? What is the part that brings you the most joy? My favorite part of writing is probably just, The excitement I get when I could figure out a like a unique story that no one else will tell, and this is and mm. this is something that that I was been struggling with. So I'm of two minds. Like, okay, so there's this one mind where you are unique, and your story and your your stories are a confluence of your uh, life history and what you culturally absorbed in your life and li- events in your life. So that's, that's, so you are the only person who could write that. That's in, that's the apple on one hand. The apple on the other hand is if you write it and you like it, other people will like it. Like, hold on. These, these seem like opposite apples. Like this one's like, like, yes, like you are unique snowflake special. And this one's like, well, if you write it, other people are going to like it because you like it. So can you, can you help cross uh, hybrid that divide for me. Well, I think that the joy that you put on to, into the world with that, because you, I mean, every single person listening just got deeply invested in that banana, right? And they probably hadn't heard about it before. I don't think, I think I had heard it mentioned, but I'd never heard it detailed like you had told me about. And the way that you're going to discuss these plums on the page with other people it's that it's that Stephen King telepathy thing that he talks about. You are creating something and then you are putting it later into somebody else's mind. And that is beautiful. And if you look back at your bio, that whole idea that you have on inclusion, on bringing everyone into the fold, that's part of, that kind of goes along with those two apples, right? True, true. <laughs> can you, I, and I didn't prep you for this because I thought, I, I told you we were just going to be gabbing, but can you tell us any craft tip that helps you out while you're writing? My craft tip, I would be, hmm, I think I, this is going to sound very silly and a little pedantic, but I'm going to say it. Yay, I love both of those things. Uh, I say be bold with your writing, in your, especially in your first also. drafts. Especially in your first draft. Like, 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 if you feel like this is like, I don't know, I, like this season doesn't, is like moving slow and it's not really working. And I don't know why, just, just do a thing where you like, 
summarize it in a paragraph. Do you know that you just said season this season? Oh, what did I say? Oh, see, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because you do. No, I really love that you know that about yourself. That you think about these episodically. No, that's so funny. That's so funny. No, I didn't even know. Yeah, this, yeah, I do think about it episodically. Yeah, but if you if you if you're bored, just like let it let it go forward. Yeah. Like, and also something that also I had a like this like the most silly recent discovery ever. But sometimes you just need to like for reasons that you don't understand. You just need to write. You just need to write seventeen horrible pages yes. for it to be summarized into two damn paragraphs. Isn't that the most annoying thing ever? But you couldn't have written the two paragraphs right. if you didn't do the 17 pages. Exactly. Uh, this this is something I told you about uh, from Americana by Chimamanda Adichie oh, yeah. Ngozi that I really loved. Uh, one of the characters is at a party, and this character is like, oh, you're going to do this. when you If you start working for me, you're going to do this. You're going to go fly here. You're going to have clients here. And then like, he's going through a whole, his whole like a monologue about how his business would be if he if he was employed by him, and at the last line of that paragraph was, and that's how it went. And then then all of a sudden we're like jumped ahead three three months later he's like in with all these clients he's working for this for this person you just met at this party I'm like damn what is, a brilliant line that is so brave this is what it was like it was brave it's brave but I know that when we were talking about it I have this idea that when she wrote it it was all, she put all of it in there mm-hmm. like she probably had 17 pages of like doing a job oh. and flying around and doing all the job and then it wasn't working and it was boring and she got and that's the way it went and that's the way it went I'm like damn that's, <laughs> that's just so brave it's yes. brilliant yeah and then and then my other tip that I would probably bring is like Think about, uh, I would say, like, get really interested in a, well, this, like, stood ed thing. Get really interested in a unique history that, you, that people don't know about and try to apply it to whatever your scenario is. Like, I think something that was super successful for Emily Sant Mandel with her Station Eleven book that was so, she was like, oh, dystopia's hot. Like, that was the hot thing when that came out. But you know what isn't being discussed? that probably was true to her was a Shakespeare troupe in a dystopia. Yeah. Like that, like that's her unique twist that she brought to dystopia. Yeah. So you can bring your passions in wherever yeah. you go. Oh, yeah. I think I, well, yeah, of course I have lots of passions, but my thought is bring the passions because only you could bring the passions the way that you would bring them. I love that. And I love, and I agree with you. I, and I agree. I, I really believe in not saving anything. Like if you're passionate about it right now, spend it. Like Andy Diller says, spend it all, play it all, like put it on the page. And as you do, people go, oh no, but I got to save that idea for when I'm a better writer. No, when you're a better writer, when you've written more, there will be new ideas. It will be just as exciting, but they can't backfill until you've used them all, right? Mm -hmm. And I really see you doing that. You go deeply into a passion and you just chew chew it, chew it for all it is worth. Yeah, something something that I, I in my introductory poetry class that I took like for freaking ever ago was like you can't talk about the world if you try to talk about the world. We could talk about the world if you start with a brick. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's gorgeous. I was like, damn. So that so that 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 oh. was a little bit with the plums. Like you can't talk like this. Like thought of things thought of things that I touched on in the plum story is like immigration, cultural assimilation. Uh, yeah privacy concerns and if you uh, tried to write about those things, oh i would you would just fail you just fail so, so fast 
But if you but if you start with the brick or the plum or whatever it is to you, you could talk about the world. The universal is inside the specific. That's what I always say. Like if the more specific you go with something, which is so counterintuitive, the more everyone will understand it by, by looking at that brick. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. What thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Uh, well, this is something I told you before, but I'm going to say it again. And it's, it's, it's super quick. It's Big Brother. And oh, like, yeah, tell me about this. I really tried. I tried. It's but fine. I it's fine. It's fine. You don't, need, you don't need to like the show at all. But the, the, the lesson that I learned from Big Brother for, as a storyteller is the entire, there's three episodes a week and the entire two episodes before the third episode is just place setting. It's everyone like is lining up at the table and putting their fork down, their knife down. And, the, and like, and what's beautiful about that as a storyteller is that you see, um, you see the you see the entire table as a viewer, and you know exactly what's going to happen at the 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 uh, decision point. So there's a there's in Big Brother there's a competition, and the winner of the competition gets to nominate people for eviction, and you get to and you know as the audience who exactly they're going to attack uh, go after about five days before the competition even happens. So it's all just place setting. So I what I what I take for that as a writer is. I, I think you should always let the yes. let the reader in before a big or even maybe even a small uh, decision point or conflict point. That's probably what I, the word I was looking for. Co- big conflict point. You should let them know exactly the ramifications of that of that move, like it, well in advance, so that when it happens, yeah. they're like, oh, that means that. But then, so then you got so you get you get the that means that formula. But then, you know, something's always going to go a little wrong with it. So then, so you, so it's like you're getting two stories packed in the same thing because you you set the time to let people know what what would happen if this action happened, and then the action happens, and then it doesn't go exactly that way. So you're getting you're getting exactly two for the what, price of one. And then it's exactly what we want to do in writing. We want to telegraph subtly to the reader. So I I always think that readers and readers don't know what we are doing as writers. They don't know that we are setting them up, which is what our job is. And I bet mo- you're, you're an anomalous watcher of these shows. Like most watchers of these shows are just thinking like, oh, I, get, I bet I know what's going to happen. And then they're surprised. But you are really going into it from a story basis, which I love and using that. You know, it's the same thing. Like if we're writing about a character who has got to learn to trust in a book, that's her character arc. In that very first hook scene, it needs to be something about trust. The reader will never get it. The reader will mm-hmm. never notice, but, but you've just made a promise to them that something is going to be fulfilled later, but you're going to do it sideways. You're going to do it slant. Yeah, something's, all, something's always going to go wrong. Yeah. If, thing, if, things are going, if things are going too right, then that's a, that's a position for either replanning the conflict or summary, some summation to like move on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Move on to the actual things that are going to be interesting. In yeah, story. I love. I'm so glad that you said Big Brother. That's so cool. Yeah, it's 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 a problem. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I will say that uh, my boyfriend Chris is very excited that I told him the season is half over, and he's like, "Thank God." <laughs> so, <laughs> does he watch with you at all? Uh, begrudgingly, at best, <laughs> at best, at absolute best. That's, a, that's, that's amazing. I love that. Can you tell us the best book you read recently? 
something that I read recently that I love, and I'm going to give you like something that was a little older and something recent. Um, just because I think the little older one was just like what was so eye-opening to me as a writer. That was uh, Three Parts Dead by Max Gladstone. Hmm. Okay. I think I told you a little bit about this book yeah. before, yeah, yeah. But, but for the audience, Three Parts Dead, it's about witches and gargoyles and vampires. Okay. And they're set in a futuristic steampunk Boston site. Spoiler, spoiler, you're not supposed to know it's future Boston, but it really doesn't fit <laughs> the story. Um, and a, they, they all pray to this god and this god dies and the god leaves a little bit of energy left over and the and uh, that god had outstanding prayer contracts with the gargoyles, the witches, and the vampires. And so it's what, what was really great about the book is it's, it's a book about contract law, but it's set with vampires, witches, and uh, gargoyles. And, and I just want to say that was such an eye-opening experience. So I was like, oh, fantasy has to be all fantasy all the time. Just a joke. Yeah. But wh- when I read Three Parts Dead, I was like, oh, this, it's, it's fantasy, but it's about contract law. And then the next book in the series, uh, um, Two Serpents Rise, is about water management ostensibly it's 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 like it's theoretically about like a poker game set in the in the future wild west but it's also about water management and he gets away with it huh his writing is good enough to get away oh is he well i think it's great and uh chris read read it and he loved it so and every person i recommended to said they loved it so so i I just want people to think like oh you think like you think you know what this genre or this subgenre is don't let don't be assuming that you know what what something is about like 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 something that i heard on a great courses thing was so women in the past were only allowed to read these like uh gothic ghost stories over and like that's the only thing they were like allowed officially to read and something that some of the authors started doing was that they were hiding in accounting lessons and fiscal management and like uh recipes and like all these like all these things into and like oh it's just a ghost story it doesn't matter so so, but they so were actually learning. They from were like learning because they were the only. It was the only type of books they were allowed to like read and be approved. And since Mind would never touch it, they were the the these authors just kept inserting all these like life lessons into these ghost story books. That's fascinating. And then there was um there was this uh, I I know, I, I know I'm going to get to one book one more book after this one, but Eileen Chang is an author that I read recently, and she is a uh, romance. Yeah, basically a romance writer from the 1930s in Hong Kong. And she has a pretty tragic life story. But but she was writing she was writing these romance books that were essentially anti-China China books. Mm. But because they were romance books, she was able to get away with it for much longer. She ended up having to when once the Chinese government figured it out, she ended up having to flee to San Francisco in the 60s or 70s, where she lived until like 85. But but yeah, so she wrote all these books where there were like there were romances that were really anti-Chinese communist books, and they were, and I read I read uh, a bunch of them in a row, and they were so good. That's amazing. See, listeners, you are having an Ed experience right now. You really are. These are things that I bet you did not know about. Okay, and what's the other book you want? To tell okay, us? the last book. Okay, I know I know you said just one, but you know I can't. I told you I'm a talker. Okay, the last book that I want to mention is Rosewater by Tay Thompson. Winner of the Nomo Award, which is an African speculative fiction award. And what I 
love about that book is it's it's the it begins with this big migration of all these sick people to uh to I forget the, Rosewater, which is a which is a fictional city in Africa, and an alien craft has landed there years ago. And at, once a year, the alien craft opens up, and all the all the all the people who are sick who are in the vicinity get healed. So it, so it causes this yearly pilgrimage. Yeah. To this because of course, like if you had if you had a debilitating disease and you could just go to Africa at this time of the year and you're going to get healed. You're going to do it. So it, so it, and then it, and then it's also about like telepaths and angels and microbial DNA, like, Sounds like it awesome. checks and like really checks all my boxes. Like I have this theory on, we don't want to like, I find it so hard, especially in COVID-19 times to like let media in, let stories in. But if you let, um, but there's certain things, certain check boxes that we internally have that if they check it, we'll like we'll let it, we'll let the story in. And, like for some people, it just needs to be like a 1920s historical setting in England. Like that will let that will let people in to accept the story for what the story yeah. is. And for me, it's I think my things are like, you know, I love like bigger philosophy questions about life, as long as it has like a little comedy, a little romance, a little horror. Like I like, I like as long as it like <laughs> Like I'm like okay, but I don't want to be too courish, and I don't want to be too romantic. Like like there, there's like we all have internally in it a checklist, and I just, I think we should all think about what our checklist is, just so we could identify it. like oh this is my checklist and this is how I'll accept stories most easily. Not to say you can't overwhelm, like not to say that like if you love a story that isn't in that you can. It's just what's easy for you. What's your like go to? And also that's really valuable for when you're thinking about your own work. That, that checklist of, basically, I think of it as obsessions in a way. Like, what will I lose myself down rabbit holes? How can I bring that? I want those stories in that, but I also want to bring it into my stories. And that's exactly what you're talking about, is incorporating all of these different pieces and facets mm-hmm. into the work. I, I want to ask you a quick oh, question. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So pretend right now you, you close that door and you are in your room with your dogs for hundred years, but only one only one day has gone by in real life. Lala, is it missing you that? And then and then you write a hundred books, one a year in your chamber. It, what is the book that eighty percent of those books are? Not I'm not. What is not? I don't want to hear about the outliers. Like yeah, I want to yeah, hear yeah, about, yeah. like what is the you you've you've written a hundred books over and over and over and over again. What is eighty percent of those books about? It is. The answer is so stultifyingly boring that I can't even like, um, I can almost not bear to be able to say it, but it would be, (laughs) Jesus, it would be creative nonfiction about what I am doing inside that room and how it reflects on memories and hopes and things that I know scientifically. Um, So it would be more like the Patreon essays that I write. It would be, and it would (laughs) be trapped in a room for a hundred years. They would they would be boring, but they would, they would, I would, I know also in my skill as a writer lies in being able to bring that to life. It wouldn't be thriller. It wouldn't be romance. It wouldn't be anything like that. It would be fully navel gazing. Totally. On, you know, when I think of it, it sounds so narcissistic, but it's not, it's, it's the extrapolation to the connectedness that I feel for everyone else. Right. I'm turning this very difficult question back around on you. What would yours be? About, well, I have the benefit of thinking of this, uh, in case you did ask me. Uh, <laughs> uh, about 80% of the books, I think, would end up in this, like, high-concept science fiction, 
geopolitical immigration culture exploration. Like 80% of them would land. Like, yeah. like, like Ghost of Courts was like a, like if you think about the Pink Floyd prison, like Ghost oh, yeah. of Courts was like to the right end of my prism, whereas uh, Sour Plum Juice is like the full range of my prism. Yeah. So... So I think I would, I think I would just like pop out books like that over and over again. I like, I love, I love like mixing cultures. Like I, uh, so this, this is, I know you said earlier that I shouldn't wait to write a book, but I'm actually waiting to write this book and you could, <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to re, uh, retort against that because I don't think I'm capable of it yet. And the, what that is, I want, so in this future book, uh, and this goes back to an Ursula K. Le Guin quote, which is every book teaches you how Every yes. book makes the rules, and once it makes the rules, the, the book must follow it. Yes. Okay, and then with, with that, I want to do where it's a, so Earth is going to get blown up, you know, pretty normal, su- normal subject, and America, they built a bunch of ships, and they, they have, like, they have only so much money, they, like, on their last, they can only fund the last half a ship for some group of people, so then another country pays for the other half of people. And then throughout the course of their hundred year journey in space, this, the English speakers and uh, the people of another nation who speak a different language, uh, they live on this generation ship. And I want it to be you, it teaching you it both the book, both creating an English other language Creole and the book in narrative transforming into the Creole as you learn it. That's a lofty goal. Oh, that's why I'm not doing it right now. But I'm like, <laughs> like that's what I'm not doing. But it's like, just, just imagine, just imagine, like you, you read this like 900 page opus, and at the end of it, you're like, oh, I kind of, I kind of understand, like, like, like not only changing in dialogue, but actually changing in the narrative. Okay. Like, I, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump into teacher right now. Oh please. And say that you should start that book as soon as possible, and you should write it as badly as you can because you. This is your darling. This is probably one of the books of your heart, right? This is, you know, we, we this, all. This have, isn't. Uh, there's, a, there's a, there's a number one book of my heart, but it's, it's easily in the okay. top three. Easily. Yeah, yeah. We have more than one book of our hearts, just like we have more than one dogs of our heart, right? But then some dogs really get us. That kind of idea. So this is one of your books of your heart, and the longer you wait, this is why I say this. The longer you wait, the bigger you're going to build it up that it needs to mm. be as good as it can be. No, you're forgetting that it needs to be a piece of shit that does not work for a long time. And then, and the other thing that I really believe about books is that they teach you what they want to be. So, so it, you, you write a crappy first draft, but then you as a human being are smarter when you read it because the book is now teaching you when you read it over and you're doing that second draft, you're a smarter ed than you could have been before you read the book. And then you start to learn from it how to make it into what you want it to be. But I don't want you to be scared of this until you're like 57. That, that's a good, that's a solid point. I, I actually, now that you're saying that, I think you're right. If I, if I wrote, I still don't want to release it to Lyme, like in my fifties, I, I could say that. Yeah. yeah. But, but having a first draft done now when I'm 32 wouldn't be bad. It would just be like, okay, I could come back to this later. It's going to be, it's going to be like, marinating i hate that phrase but like that's what it would be doing it would be sitting you're learning all around it the book is learning like i i want you to i want you to start on that you want me to start okay okay it's gonna such a bag you're like rachel i want you to do a few things too no 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 i think i think you're actually right about that so uh 
Yeah. Well, oh, I've, I've, I've written some questions for you that I want to ask. More. Okay, but we do. I have a time limit and I still okay. want you to be able to talk because I have a top of the hour thing. I still want you to be able to talk about your podcast and okay. find you. So build that okay. in. Okay. 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 I think you'll answer this one super quick, but then I'll, I, once I ask it, you could, okay. What, okay. what genre or subgenre have you, have you one to written in that you haven't and why not? <sighs> I don't think there is one. There isn't. Okay. Good. I think That's... I've done all the genres that I want to. Um, I cannot think of one because I've, I've written in five genres now and they're the five that pull me the most. Okay. So if something occurs to me, I'll probably do it because I have no problem. Okay. Well, that, that, <laughs> jumping that's, ship. That, that's a, that's a great answer. My quick answer to that is like, I'm like somewhat, I'm a little tempted to write romance. Everyone likes a good Hallmark movie. Yes, I think you would do it so well. But I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of a lot of things. So what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of like, I'm afraid of like the steamy scenes. I'm afraid of like. Then then make it closed door. Make it closed door. Okay. Especially if it's a sweet kind of Hallmarky feeling. Closed Mm -hmm. door, still hot tension. But the thing is that you, you have, and this, and this was reflected in Ghosted Courts. You have such a, a beautiful, sweet way of looking at relationships between people. Um, and that comes out naturally in you. I think you would do a really bang up job with that. Oh. I think you could write something like that. It would be beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. I have, I have a, I have like a project runway inspired. Uh, That's right. We very, talked about this. Yeah. We talked about it. It's super, it's super fun. Oh, and uh, if I could, if I could insert, you know, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm going to insert one more craft tip. Okay. If you could, if you could, Make a list of all the all the character interactions in your book, and then ask and like do it in colors, like highlight them like green for this character, yellow for this character, and ask yourself which two characters haven't interacted, and like try to make a scene for them. Oh, I like that. Just, just like that was actually how uh, there was um, in the original draft of Ghost Courts. I ended up filling it in with like three additional chapters that were like, hold on, these two people didn't interact enough for me. So then I. So and I, as so, they interact with everyone, everyone, you're learning more about all of the their facets or all of their sides. Yes, that was yeah, that was another that was another character I want to throw. But yes, uh, I would love for you to all check out my current podcast, which is Linguistics Every Day. It's uh, it's it's love a little it's like it's a little bit like the subtitle in my head is like the Dirty Globalist podcast. <laughs> what is, what does that mean to you? Like it's uh, so like there's so much talk right now about uh. American supremacy, American perfection. And I'm just like, well, of course, me being me, I'm like, let's turn that on its head and like, what can we learn from the world? So uh, some, of the, some of the recent episodes that I thought was really great was we had an episode where we just went through all the Slavic languages, the history of Slavic languages. Another episode we did, we did uh, the impact of K-pop, Dizzy and, and uh, Bollywood on, yes. on media. And so Dizzy is Turkish soap operas that are really popular in South America. So Turkish soap operas popular in South America. That is people are having another Ed moment. I'm saying, I'm saying the things that are true. (laughs) And and then, uh, yeah. And it talked about how these like these, uh, yeah. So yeah, if you, if you want to check out linguistics every day, it's not going to be, I mean, it is about linguistics, but I don't want people to like, oh, it's a writing podcast. It's really, it's really about exploring language yeah. topics. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so, oh, that's so cool. So cool, yeah, Ed. We're on, we're on Audible. Oh, not Audible. No, no. And whatever, iTunes, You're Spotify, Stitcher, catchers. all the places, all the podcasters that you love, uh, <laughs> and some that you don't like. I'm sure. <laughs> I get I get frustrated. I get frustrated with Apple iTunes if I'm being honest. But no, everybody I, does. It sucks. But I still use it. I can't. I can't. I'm. I'm. The problem is, I my my listen history is attached to it, and I can. Wow. I, it's like it's like the iTunes cuffs are on me. I can't I can't let it go. Like I, my history is too important. To I'm me. so fickle. I'm so fickle. I've used like every, but I'm an Android phone person, so I just I try everything. Right yeah, now, Android. The Google one is the Google platform is pretty good. They're oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Wait, okay. and then you could you could check me out uh, at Edward Giordano on Twitter. I tweet about a lot of things. Um, currently, Big Brother Twenty Two. In addition, I'm also a member of Yimby, which is Yes in My Backyard, which is a housing movement. Um, California and America, for that matter, have a housing shortage crisis that's getting worse this year. Yeah, which is getting away. Yeah, every year gets worse, and people and and cities like like of course when they're asked, oh, should should more more houses and more apartments buildings be asked? The answer I I like to think that most people respond. The answer is yes to that question. But when they're like, oh, but we want to do it across the street from you, the answer becomes suddenly becomes no. Right. <laughs> so yeah. so that so it's like yes, yes in my backyard. And then um I'm very uh what else is going on? I you could uh go to my website, ergiordano.net. Uh that's E-D-W-A-R-D-G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O.net. And you could sign up for my mailing list and read like my thoughts on the craft that are silly. I, I, I like I'm not to, even on your mailing list. I need to go join that. You should join my mailing list. And uh, they, and I like post like things I learned. It's like this blog series that I've started where I just like talk about, I'm in the middle of writing things I learned, writing two short stories that didn't end up being short stories. Just like, just like observations on my, uh, on my writing and just trying to like, like you, like hopefully both, learn from myself and hopefully some other people get some stuff out of it. I'm going to join. Everyone else should join. And I just want to say that this 200th episode is just the best thing because it is actually a reflection of like, I would never have met you if yeah, it hadn't well, been for this podcast. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I want to, I want to know when I, when I came up to you, were you like scared? <laughs> it's like, oh, absolutely not. I was beyond flattered. And I was glad that my wife was there. So I'm like, see, see, see. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. That's so funny. That's so great. That's so great that we, it was such a random uh, encounter. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Oh, thank you, Ed. Thank you thank for you. everything. Thank you for everything you do for me. And I really, really appreciate you. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.